Lindsay Rowland. Today we have a very special episode. This is our Christmas collaboration with Porch Matters, Terry Cagle. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Lindsay. How are you? Good. And I want to apologize up front. I was, I am 44 minutes late. Um, but let me bitch real quick. Um, so I am dog sitting, right, for this guy upstairs, um, this beautiful, like, sheep white dog. But he got caught in a snowstorm in Salt Lake City. So he was supposed to come back last night, but he's coming back on Tuesday now, which is fine. But I spent all my Christmas money on gifts. And so I was waiting for that $200 so I could get my hair done and buy cigarettes. And now it's like going to be 48 hours, um, you know, later than I thought. And I mean, I am kind of addicted to nicotine. So how's your morning going? I can't complain too much. I woke up, the sun was shining, the crows, the crows are going crazy out here. So you'll probably hear that, but that's one of the, uh, wonderful things of about recording a podcast on a back porch. It's windy as I'll get out out here. I feel like I'm in the Midwest. <clears throat> now I know um, the Midwest because remember I'm from Ohio. So I yes. do know what you're talking. Um, the wind comes off Lake Erie. So cold, like the wind chill that like Oregon, Ohio is like right by it's Toledo, Ohio, but it's right by Lake Erie. And when the wind chill comes off Lake Erie, it, it it's horribly cold in Ohio. You can keep it. Uh, I'm good. I I like cold weather, but I don't really really do good with cold wind. Mm-hmm. I I don't. Your listeners probably don't know me near as well as you do. So, for your carry on podcast listeners, I am what they call a fat boy. I am six oh, foot seven, four hundred four hundred and twenty pounds. I've got a lot of insulation, so I'm very hot natured. I literally sweat in a freezer. That being said. Literally, when the wind, when the wind picks up, fat boy gets a little cold. I'm not gonna lie. I feel like a little bit like your body shaming yourself, and you know, like I'm totally against it. I think you're absolutely adorable, and I wouldn't even tell anybody you weigh that much because I would, I would have guessed like 300 max. I think you're adorable, just just for the Carry On podcast record. Well, thank but, you, ma'am. But I, real quick, I want to make sure that our listeners know exactly who you are. I know that I've been on your podcast and you've been on mine, but just for our listeners, so get out your phone right now. And I want what? I've not been on your podcast. This is the first time. No, you have. I thought for sure you've been on my podcast before. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I thought you had. You might okay. need to redo that one. <laughs> this is your first time on my podcast. My apologies. And so, Porch Matters, everyone get out your phone. And Terry, can you tell us exactly what platforms they can find Porch Matters on? On any and all podcast platforms. I I made sure to try and make sure the show was available on anything. So if you punch in Porch Matters podcast in in whichever platform it is that you happen to be listening to this on, I am there. Okay, can you go through them real quick what they are? Like, are you on iHeartRadio? I'm on Apple Podcast. I'm on Google Podcast. I'm on Spotify. I am on iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Pandora, um, Podchaser, Pocket Cast, uh, Castro, TuneIn Radio. Um, the list is very long. So that's what I'm saying. If, if whatever podcast it is that you happen to be listening to this fabulous podcast on, Nine times out of 10, I'm, I will be there. Just type in Porch Matters Podcast into your search bar. You'll see my black logo with my white letters. 
I would really appreciate it if you pulled it up, gave it, just give it a listen. If you like what you hear, you know, hit that download button and hit the subscribe button or follow or like button, whichever, whichever button it happens to be on your platform. Well, let me just cut you off there. You will absolutely love it. So we're going to give you another second to find it. Um, we're going to stall a little bit. I'm going to tell you what I think about porch matters. So basically he sits on his porch, Terry, and he talks and before we talk about Christmas, because this is a Christmas special, can you tell us a little bit about the podcast that you recorded last night? Because I'm really interested to hear about it. <clears throat> we, I sat down with my brain's half dead. We'll just say sat, a man or a woman. I sat, I sat down with the Central Alabama Paranormal Investigations Group, oh. the, affectionately known as CAPI. And we talked about their origins, uh, what brought the group together. And then they shared with us a little bit about some of their most interesting investigations that they happen to do. My, uh, my grade goes back to my grandfather, but as far as my show goes, he taught me to know a little bit about everything. So I've got a very broad interest base. Okay. I, uh, I literally am interested in a bunch of different things. So my podcast isn't necessarily genre specific. If I find somebody or something that's interesting, I try to reach out and see if they'll come onto the show because I find it interesting. If I find it interesting, I'll think my audience does too. So whenever you check my podcast out, you're going to see a lot of different subjects. And some people say, you just bounce all over the place. Well, yes, I do. I try to keep it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you know that i'm the queen of bouncing i love rabbit holes so the we yes, you do. yes show. you do so now to recap um so we did terry and i did one about afghanistan i think and then we did one about something else do you remember what it was about we we just I reached out to you we our mutual connection was steve moon steve moon came on to my show and then he ended up being a guest on your show, and that's how we ca- we got connected. Um, we talked. We always talk about a bunch of different things whenever me and you get a chance to talk. So, I want to say we talked about uh, basically it was just politics in general about how the election was going to go at the time, and you know things like that. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's so funny on um, side note, because I, everyone knows I was at the Trump rally that day, but I was not at the Capitol because I would never break into our Capitol because I go there all the time before COVID. So it's not like right. I see the Capitol. But so last night I was looking at some stuff. So I was accused of being the woman that stole Nancy Pelosi's computer. And I was looking at her picture and her mugshot last night to see if I look like her. And I actually do. And it's funny, there's a picture of her sitting in Nancy Pelosi's office. And my brother, he was in D.C., but he just moved to Austria because his wife works for the State Department. But that night of January 6th, he sent me that photo and he was like, Lindsay, and he was serious. And when I saw the photo, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's me. Did I like have a blackout or something and end up at the Capitol? Because the photo, she's got a hat, a mega hat on, and she looks just like me because you can't see her face. And then I pulled her, um, the pictures of her, cause she's from Ohio too. Like, I think she owns a bar in Ohio 
And so I remember um, because then I'm a dick and I took that photo and I put it on my Facebook and I was like, hey, everybody, I was at the Capitol today. And so I set myself up for yes, you did. for that. And so they came to my parents' house and because I just came from Ohio to D.C. for the rally. That's my dog in the background. Hi, um, dog. Bulldog. Hi. Yeah, that's Hershey. Hershey, did you want to say hi? Um, but anyway, so long story short, I was looking at her photos last night and I was like, wow, I do look like her. So that's a side note. But hey, let's talk about your Christmas. Tell me about your Christmas. Before, before we go on that side note. It... <laughs> <laughs> you can't like not comment on that. I, I can't okay? not comment on Please this. Comment. I, I mean, Please comment, Terry. How in the world do you get so lucky as to be accused of stealing Nancy Pelosi's computer? Not that that's a good thing, but the way her luck goes lately, you know, that's what I'm going by. So here's what I think happened when I put it on Facebook and then my brother found out I put it on Facebook and he called me right away and he was like, Lindsay, take that down. And I listened to him, but it was too late because I think people in Ohio were, were, were kind of picking on me because they thought I was still in Ohio because I had been home for Christmas and New Year's. And I think that somebody called and reported me. I think it was Meredith Kitts, actually. And so then I think that's how um, the FBI, but, but, you know, to be honest, to give the FBI credit, they came to my mother's house. I told the story, got on the phone. My mother confirmed that she talked to me right after the rally that I went home to listen to, you know, what was going on with Pence and that whole thing. Cause there was that hearing that day about whether Trump was going to be able, you know, all that stuff. Right. And so, um, but they were like, and I asked the FBI, it was a woman. I could only hear her voice. And I said, and she was on my mother's phone talking to me. And my, and I, and my mother was like, Lindsay, you're in trouble. Mom, I know you're going to listen to this, but I mean, I'm just telling the truth. And my mom's like, Lindsay, you're in trouble. And I was like, no, mom, I'm not. Cause I wasn't there. And the FBI agent heard that. And then I said to her, I said, look, I'm back in DC. This is my address or my mother gave them the address. I said, do I have to worry about you guys bothering me because I will come in and I will talk to you. And then I believe she asked me um, if I knew who the pipe bomber was. And so the pipe bomber left bombs at the democratic and the Republican headquarters, but they didn't go off. So my confirmed. Oh yeah. There's videos of him doing it. So they basically asked me if I had a network and I knew who that was. And at the time I had not seen the photos of the pipe bomber, but I said, you know, I will be happy to talk to you about it. I said, there's no underground network. I was Lindsay Rowland that wanted to go to the rally. I went by myself because all my friends in DC were either home for Christmas still or are Democrats. I said, I wanted to hear Trump speak. I heard him speak. He's my president or he was running again, right? Yeah, he was president at the time, right? Yeah. He was still president, yes. It's been a long year. So, yes, yeah, I mean, for Biden to be in office for like only a year in the destruction, but we, we agreed to not talk so much politics about that. But long story, we can talk about whatever you want to. Well, it's your show, ma'am. Well, I, my podcast is about politics. And so not to disrespect. Um, but anyways, back to the FBI. So I give them major credit. And then I also want to tell one more story. So I wrote, um, I'm going to kick Biden's ass when or but no, I actually said but not ass um, about Afghanistan. And so the Secret Service called me. And it ended up that the guy that called me um, had been in Iraq when I was and knew my unit and knew people I knew. 
And he had just PCS from um, the military and was working for the um, Capitol Police now. And he said, I went through all your social media. He said, I have no issues with anything. He's like, but when you say I'm going to kick someone's butt and it has to do with the president, it hits something in the computer and we have to call you. So then he calls, this is about six or seven months after January 6th. So then he calls my mother because <laughs> he has to make sure I don't have weapons and I don't. Um, and so then he calls and says, does Lindsay have access to weapons? And my mother's like, no, she doesn't. Um, and so then he never called back again, but he did give me advice. We probably talked for like 30 minutes, me and the Capitol police officer. And he was like, I just PCS from the army. Um, he was in Iraq during the surge when I was, and he was like, look, just advice for you. He's like, I don't, you don't sound dangerous at all. And I just told him, you know, I'm kind of just an angry veteran with a podcast and, I told him a little bit about myself and why I left the military and things. And he just was like, gave me some advice. And he was like, just be careful what you put on there because you don't want to keep popping up on this. And I thought it was a very constructive conversation. He was very nice to my mother. Um, so just a call out to like, that wasn't the FBI, that was the Capitol Police. But just a call out to both of them, like they were both super professional. They did their research on me. They went through all my social media, LinkedIn. Instagram. And they were very, I, I feel fair to me. Like they could have come and arrested me immediately. Um, they saw <clears> I was a veteran. And so just to give, throw a bone to all those people and even the police officers, cause that we love our men in blue, you know, just the per professionalism was stellar. I can speaking from somebody that actually used to wear a badge. I used to wear a badge for 10 years. There are a lot of people out there just like any other profession in law enforcement that is actually there to do a good job there are others out there that just wants to be pricks because they got bullied whenever they were in school and then whenever they pin that little badge to the, to the front of them they feel like they're 10 feet tall and bulletproof so it's just like it is with any other profession you've got good ones and then you've got dicks it sounds to me like you got a good one so and, but yeah, as, as all, it, I know how you feel about the guy that happens to be sitting in the Oval Office right now. And, you know, while I don't particularly like him as a person, I have to <laughs> we're re both Republicans. <laughs> very, uh, I very much vote red. Uh, I try to be open minded and vote for the person, not the party. But, the people that I always vote for happen to be Republican because they think a lot more along the lines that I do. Well, just to cut you off a second. So like I voted for Obama the first time. I didn't like the race war he was causing the second time. I voted for Bush the first time. I didn't vote for him the second time because I didn't like how he extended us. Um, the, um, this would have been Bush Jr., how he extended us in Iraq. But he had to because we were already there. So I voted mm -hmm. for Bush Jr. the first time, but not the second time. So I definitely do look at the issues. And I felt that Obama was creating an unfair race war by not sticking up for white people and basically and not stopping the BLM stuff. And all Obama had to say was, I think that we should talk to each other in our <clears throat> communities. And if you don't know any African-American or Hispanics, maybe you should reach out in your communities and you should meet one and you would find out that we are all just people. And like all Obama had to say was that, and he, he never made a stance on it. And that really not. made me mad. Of course not. But, you know, I, th I think people in offices like that want to keep us separated and wants to, wants to keep everybody fighting amongst themselves because 
if we're fighting amongst ourselves, we're not paying attention to what they're doing. Exactly. Let's talk about that, that spending bill, you know, that for the infrastructure and like, you know, Kramer and uh, Kirsten Cinema, you know, fought that. But I would actually, and I've said this on other podcasts, Cinema needs to just be a Republican because she causes so much trouble for the Democratic Party that girlfriend, you might as well just come over and join us. And she's a lesbian. And, you know, I love lesbians. So her and Mayor Bowser are both lesbians. And so it's like, girlfriend, you should just come over to the Republican Party because you're adorable. And you might as well just, you might as will just get it over and be a republican at the very at the very least thank you for thinking the way that you do anyway i did want to throw a bone to um and again my my language is usually very intentional i do want to throw a bone to president um biden though because he did and it was either on um and Terry Caserta won't mind because this is going to come out afterwards but so he either signed the brandon act the day of Christmas, Christmas Eve, like that morning of Christmas Eve, or he's signing it when he comes back to the White House. And I don't track his movement, but you know, you can obviously track it on the news. So he signed the Brandon Act and it did pass. Um, it came through the House and the Senate. So it did pass like officially. Um, so, you know, he was going to sign it anyways, but we would have had to do an executive order if, or asked him to if it didn't pass the House and the Senate NDAA, but it did. Um, but he did sign that bill and or will be in the next you know couple of days into um, law. So I will give him that, you know, and that is a bill that um, prevents toxic leadership from allowing soldiers, airmen, Marines, Navy um, sailors, um, Coast Guard, we can't forget you, Space, Space Force, um, to, to get um, mental health or behavioral health treatment without facing repercussion from um, their leadership and Terry Cassard, I hope I got that correct. But I want to throw I want to throw another um, accolades out to Terry and Patrick Caserta because they worked four years on that bill. And I came on as a volunteer in the last year, but I have never seen people work so hard to make something happen. So I just want to do a shout out to Terry Caserta, you know, and it's absolutely devastating how she lost her son. He threw himself into a rotary blade in a helicopter. Um, you know, it's tragic, but you know, out of tragedy, there has to, we have to find something good. And Terry Caserta works her butt off to, again, I'm using the word, butt instead of ass, um, works her butt off to make that bill happen. And I'm the advisor on her, on the Brandon Act Foundation. And so we are planning like a party, you know, to celebrate maybe a fundraiser, a bike fundraiser, uh, cause Brandon like bikes. And so we want to give bikes to like gold star family kids. There's just a lot of ideas, but again, I just want to throw out that what an amazing job, um, Terry and Patrick Caserta did. And if you don't know about that legislation, please get on Facebook, please do a Google search stars and stripes covered them, Washington post, their local Arizona newspaper. Um, so that if you do, are you are a veteran or you're a civilian and you are not aware, it is the only bill that was in the NDAA that had anything to do with preventing suicide. And you know, that's a major problem in the army. And one more thing, the military improvement act did not pass. And that was to take sexual assault out of the, um, the military's hands. And they kept it inside the military, just outside of the commander's hands. So that bill did not pass and Gillibrand and Jackie Spear, because I used to work for um, Trent Kelly. And so him and Jackie Spear at the time were both um, personnel committee um, 
on the armed service committee. So I, I watched Jackie Spear a lot and I love her. She was the one that was shot at, um, she was shot on a runway when she was going to see some like Mormon place and she almost bled to death. She laid there for 24 hours and survived. And so Trent Kelly is the highest ranking member of Congress right now. He is a National Guard Brigadier General One Star. So he has mad respect for Jackie Spear because she she laid there and almost died for a day and she survived. So their politics might be different, but he has a lot of respect for Jackie Spear. But Jackie Spear and Gillibrand um, in the Senate is, is Gillibrand. They've been working on that Military Improvement Act for years, along with a lot of other people. And so the fact that that bill did not pass and, and Gillibrand had to concede to just taking it out of the commander's hands and probably put it in like CID or NCIS or whatever, um, you know, the fact that that did not pass and the Brandon Act did. And, and because Gillibrand is on the Brandon Act, too, she's a co-sponsor. We thought that she was going to take that and put it under the Military Improvement Act. And now we're glad she didn't because the Brandon Act passed and that bill didn't. So just a little insight on that legislation. As she's smoking on her victory cigar, and it sounds to me like it's very much deserved. Congratulations on that. That was one thing that we did talk about on our first on our first episode together. We did talk about the Brandon Act and how great of a bill and piece of legislation that that was and i'm very happy to hear that president no biden is actually doing something that is worthwhile for a change well quite frankly that, he doesn't have a choice he has to sign it but that's kind of what i was fixing to get to. <laughs> that that and the fact that i, I do got to ask a question is the delay on him signing the bill was that before or after he fell up the runway and messed up his diaper Wait, when did that, wait, was that when he fell down the stairway? He was climbing up the stairway going into the plane. You remember the meme? Yeah, that was hilarious. He he did really fall, right? Because some people, I heard that it was somebody just did like a, like a, um, you know, like had made the video, but made him fall like in the video. Because you know, you can edit video. Well, I I can't confirm or deny. I've just seen the meme in the video. Thought it was hilarious. Hilarious. And, you know, then I, then I hear about him going over to Europe or whatever and, you know, crapping his pants and in the Vatican or whatever. So, well, and I heard and not heard, like I heard this on Fox news and to me, I listened to several different news channels, but of course I do believe Fox news and Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram, but like, apparently the Pope decided that they did not want him to have access to, um, to say anything in case, you know, he said something about little boys or little girls, you know, cause the, the Catholic church has so many issues with, you know, yes, situation. and I heard that, well, they said on Fox that they think that the Pope did not give him access to his microphone and cut it off because they did not want him to say something stupid. And that sounds absolutely accurate to me. If I'm the Pope. Well, from what I've understood, I don't know it to be true, but our president has had what two or three brain surgeries. Has he? I, from what I've heard, I can't no, confirm more right. the diet, but you can, you can tell just by watching him talk that the lights are on, but nobody's home. Well, in a lot of and, cases- and it seems to me like everything has to be done off of a teleprompter. If he was to sit here and talk like me and you were talking, he'd probably stutter and mess up his words and everything like that so yeah it's almost like and sometimes I'm like this if I'm high like it's almost like you're looking at the inside of your brain to see what it says you know before you say it because he gets names wrong and then you know there's always the issue where you know when those soldiers died 
um, in Afghanistan, he wanted to tell them about his son, Bo, that died. Now, I heard Bo was a great guy, worked at the Pentagon. He was amazing. But, you know, it's different when your soldier dies in war and your soldier dies from cancer. And Bo probably had, I mean, did, I'm sure, have the best medical treatment one could get for his cancer. So like to say, and a lot of veterans don't even have health care because they don't get their disability rating. So to say, to be checking your watch and then to say that you understand because your son died from cancer. I mean, you know, those people, those families, I know the one father was on the news and it just didn't, it didn't sit well. They wanted to hear, we're sorry, we're sorry. And all Biden had to do was put up some more security and those 10 soldiers, or I think it was nine, wouldn't even have died. So mm-hmm. all those families had no soldiers for Christmas. And then you have like the Alvarez family, like their son was murdered in Baran. You have the Austin Stump family. He was hazed to death with 75th Ranger Battalion. You have the Brandon Caserta. They're all and this. Those are those are those are 13 examples. But there's so many examples of other soldiers and veterans in this country that did not have their family in every Christmas hurts. And the fact that he was so cold. And so um, unfeeling, we'll say that's not the right word choice, but um, the, there was no empathy there, right? And it just, it's infuriating. Right. What are your thoughts on that? I'm trying to be careful with my words. I think that. I think that our military ought to have the same type of care, if not more so than what these elected politicians have, because we know they have the best health care available for what I don't know, other than the fact that they voted or that they've made it a law for themselves. They shouldn't have anything better than what we have, but our military should have the best care available because they're the ones that are going out and risking their life. Even though they, the draft isn't there anymore, even though it is, it's, we don't go by it. You know, they, people like yourself made the choice to sign up, which makes it even more important. You made that, you made the choice to go out and risk your life and sacrifice in, in a lot of people's, in a lot of people's, um, it's the word I'm looking for experience or lifetime. They actually gave it. And I think that that ought to be honored a whole lot more than what it is these days. That's part of the reason why I've had so many veterans groups and different things like that on my show, because I'm a firm believer in our veterans. I don't like the fact that the American people have to see our military go off and be private security for a lot of things. We shouldn't be the world's police at the same time. I hold in high respect and will always hold in high respect. The people that sign up to sacrifice their life for what this country is supposed to be. That's basically my thoughts on that. It might not have answered your question, but that's my thoughts on it. Um, I hold the veteran in very high esteem. I hold anybody that's currently living overseas right now in a tent that wasn't able to be with their family during Christmas time, wasn't able to be with their family during Thanksgiving, 
wasn't able to see their little boy or their little girl open up a Christmas present and then see that big smile on their face because Santa came down the chimney this year because they're sitting over there in the tent trying to take care of business. You know, I, I, I think the world of my, mil- of my military people, I think the world of people like yourself who were a veteran and any and every availability to make their life a whole lot better or a whole lot easier. This country ought to get, ought to be forking it out. And that's my opinion on it. No, and thank you so much for that. And I, but I did want to add, I do think healthcare is a human right. So my master's is in public administration, and I had the honor of serving um, as a TA for Dr. Jan Black. So she <clears> exposed <throat> the CIA in Chile in her in her younger years, and then um, she became a professor. Like she did a lot of amazing things. She took me to Iran. She took me to Cuba under the people to people under Obama um, back in I think it was two thousand. 14 or something. I don't want to quote the year because you got to do a lot of stuff under the Obama administration. Yeah. So, but point being is that she just died about six months ago, but she used to always say that healthcare is a human right. Just like food is a human right, just like education because, and that, and that goes back to healthcare. So if anybody can, anybody can go to the hospital right now. Right. And then either the, either the U S government or somebody picks up that bill, whether it affects your credit, whether it doesn't, but look at look at the people's credit that we're ruining because they can't pay for these health care bills. And I'm not, you know, into socialism or communism, of course, but to think about how people have standardized health care in other countries like Norway or even in Germany, because I've, you know, I've lived in Germany a lot in Berlin and in Mannheim and to see how those people have health care that's standard and then you pay into it if you want something better. But the bare minimum health care is excellent health care and their taxes pay for it. And the fact that we have such huge taxes, but people do not have health care. And I'm not by any means saying everybody gets free health care. I am just saying that there has to be a better way. Nothing in life is free. We learned that in school, but, you know, kids these days aren't 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 learning that. That's another show for another time. You know why, you know why, you know why, you know why, um, countries like Europe and everything have that, right? No, I mean, I really don't. Cause my, my thoughts are always jumbling. And then I think we talked about this. My, mine at Deutsch is besser as mine in English. My German's actually better now than my English. Cause I've been practicing German again. So go ahead. Eisenhower was actually going to try and rewrite our bill of rights. He ran. He either ran out of time or it didn't work out the way he wanted it to. But he threw out a lot of ideals and everything after World War II whenever uh, Europe was having to be rebuilt. That's where countries like England, like Germany, like Norway, as you mentioned, have health care and everything. Basically, government ran. I'm not always for government ran stuff. I know there's a lot of I know there's a lot of red tape and everything else that you've got to go through. I've actually talked to a couple of Canadians. They're not really particularly fond of of their system, but at the same time, the principle, I agree wholeheartedly. Healthcare should be a human right, just like our right to bear arms, just like our freedom of speech, just like we should have, should have a right to work, you know, this, that, and the other. It should be. And from everything that I've read, at one point in time, believe it or not, Whenever I was fixing to go through the college process and everything, I wanted to be a history teacher and a football coach. 
Thank God I didn't do that because history teachers don't really make that much money. But I would have been one heck of a football coach. Well, you side, would have, side note there. You would have got a teacher's pension and then you would have got extra money for being a coach. So you probably would have ended up making pretty. And if you have your master's, because my mom was a teacher, you would have mm-hmm. gotten paid more. So you, I mean, you would have done okay. Yeah, but I've learned that the older that I get, the less patience that I have. So I don't necessarily know if that would have been a great thing. And again, me being as big as I am, I I can be intimidating whenever I want to be. So with as sensitive as society has turned into these days, I probably wouldn't be a teacher much longer because, you know, if you yell at a kid these days, it doesn't matter if you love them or not, you know, you're automatically a bad guy. I feel like you have a little bit more leeway as a coach though, because you're trying to build like the stamina and we, you know, we shoot right. to win or we shoot to kill. Like the concept of working hard will make you a good player. Like right. practicing shooting will make you a sharp shooter, you know, right. hard work does still have its ability. And if you teach that in a child young, I mean, you get what I'm saying. I absolutely. And I agree wholeheartedly. You know, you learn a lot of different life lessons and everything while you're playing sports. At least I did. I learned a lot of things about how I didn't, I'm, well, I went to a private school for, to play softball and then I ended up going back to my um, public school and then didn't do very well in softball, but I didn't make the cheerleading team. I didn't make the volleyball team, but you know what that taught me? My mother put me in Taekwondo and by the age of like 16, I was a black belt in Taekwondo and it took me four or five years to, to get that. And it made me learn that like, I may not be accepted. And, you know, I was not a cheerleader. I'm skinnier than all those girls now. Um, you know, cause I was a little bit heavier then. And it's like, oh, and I ran cross country, but it taught me how to be a runner. But basically what it taught me was, is that it's okay to not be accepted. You will find your niche. And then I went, I did DECA and I started working as a waitress and I started working at a Dairy Queen at like 15. So I, I, I determined that I actually liked working and making money better. And that has really, you know, cause those sports, they didn't make any money unless they got scholarships. And a lot of them got scholarships in college and they played for a year and then came back. And so I think, it, I think it just taught you at a young age, what rejection looks like. And not everybody does get a trophy. And, you know, those are life lessons that when you learn them at 15 and 16 or even younger, those are lessons that stick with you your whole life. I don't, I believe that there's winners and losers. It's okay to say that, Hey, you're a loser this time you lost. Why? Because you learn more from the loss than you do a win. And you better get outside and you better practice and you better throw that ball harder and you better spend four more hours playing shooting hoops because that's going to make you win next time. Right? Exactly. When you don't win, that means you got to work harder. And, you know, I think society is, is missing out on that with all the participation trophies. Everybody's a winner. No, little Timmy didn't win this time. He's a loser, but if he'll get out there and work his butt off, he might actually have a chance to be a winner the next time. And even if you talk to a little child who's like five or six and you're like, okay, Timmy, you know, it's okay. You should go congratulate the winner. And it it also goes back to like in life. And this is a huge pet peeve of mine is when women get hired over men because they need a woman. And a lot that happened to me a little bit in the military, but I actually think I was really 
good at my job, but there was always like the, oh, well, it looks good if a woman goes to aerosol school. It looks good if a woman, you know, and a lot of times I asked myself, was that because I was good or was that because I was a woman? So I always made sure I was, you know, I could keep up with the infantry. I was the only female commander in infantry brigade, second brigade, 10th mountain, which was the Chelsea Manning brigade, but I don't even want to talk about that. I'm not giving myself accolades. I'm just saying I made sure that I could run. I made sure I was on the army 10 miler team when I wasn't deployed. I, but I, but what that instilled in me is that you have to be better than them, or you have to be just because my better than them was just as good as them because infantry guys are in really good shape. But, you know, I had to learn that. And what, so when I hear today that like women, you know, the equal pay thing, the, women should definitely get equal pay, Absolutely. But, they should, but they should not be promoted because they're a woman. They should be promoted no. because they're good. Cause what that does is it takes down our self-esteem and then the men talk and they're like, oh, she was promoted because she's a woman and she's cute. And then you hear the whole thing like that's the reason and they should be promoted because they're good at their job, because most of the time the women are, if not better, because number one, they listen. They've had to listen in boardrooms for years to even get there. They've had to pull up their own seat at the table. And I'm again, I'm not a feminist. I'm an equalist. But I'm just saying from a woman's perspective, there should be equal pay, but they've had to work harder to be there. So why cheapen that hard work and promote women because they're women? And the same goes with minorities. Same goes with Hispanics. Same goes with African-Americans. Same goes with Greek people. Whatever your minority is that day, it shouldn't be because of that. Because I know tons of Black men and women who are smarter and more articulate than I am. And so to, to say that you got promoted because... This is one. So the secretary of the Navy is Hispanic, right? And they say that he got promoted because he's Hispanic. But if you actually look at his record, he was promoted because he was good. And he he had all the duty and all the assignments that he needed to hit to be secretary of the Navy. So when people say that he's a woke, you know, um, appointee by, um, I don't think the secretary of the Navy. Yeah, he is an appointee. I can't remember right now. But to say that he was there. To say that he was there because he's Hispanic is undermining his ability because he, his record stands for itself. Are you sure that you're an equalist or are you you sure you're just an old school, true, tried and blue feminist? Because feminists, original feminists were all about equality, were they not? Okay. Well, I feel like the Democrats have turned feminists into the pussy hats that they wear. So like they, the you know, Democrats have ruined a lot of things that we, that we, that okay, we, this right. really made me mad here. And you know, I hate to cut you off, but like, so they didn't speak out about Afghanistan women yet. They had a rally literally a week later, the women about women pay equal rights, but you're letting Afghanistan women be slaughtered and murdered. And we had the videos and we had congressmen over there showing us, and you're not going to, there was only one star and i forget what her name is the one that always gets involved with the um she can't remember her name but she's all i like her but she's always you know saying something to just say something right like if you if you stand for everything you stand for nothing Mm -hmm. and so those women marched in this dc i couldn't even go to the rally but not one democrat came out to support the women in afghanistan and tell biden to to go bring them back and the people that we owed that to and so you know, that just really, really irked me. I just wanted one Democrat, AOC, Omar, one, one Democrat to talk about the women in Afghanistan. And they all stood by their party. And to me, that's a traitor to women. Oh, those two that you just named off ain't going to do it. 
but but they can talk about everything else and i and i get where they're coming mm-hmm. from because aoc is talking about working hard and being a bartender i i like her she isn't the smartest person but i actually think she's articulate and adorable and then you have Amar, but if you look at her, she's from Detroit, right? So she's talking about basically the genocide that happened that the American public caused in her countries. And she's from Detroit, right? And so she's talking about the American policies that hurt her people. So I get that pain. I don't get that pain because I don't understand. I have not had, you know, I'm white and white privilege is real. And I have not had my race destroyed. But I mean, they have destroyed women, you know, predominantly throughout history, too. And so, you know, I understand that she's upset about the pain of what American policy has done. That I can understand. Now, to really understand the pain that she's felt and the people that she's lost, that's like her telling me that she can understand why Lieutenant Colonel Clark died in Afghanistan. She can't understand my pain and I can't understand hers, but I can identify that there's pain there. I will give AOC the best compliment that I can give her. She's cute. That's about it. Okay. So I like to, I do like to talk about women's bodies because I always talk positive about them. So she's <laughs> actually really adorable. I saw her and um, I was trying, I was trying to escort Trent Kelly from a voting session to a hearing that he needed to go to, but I actually missed him because he went out a different door. But so in, I was there for like two hours waiting for him. And I think he missed a couple of votes because he went to his hearing for, or he went to his um, personnel hearing for the armed service committee. But I ran, I saw her and I, and I saw Pelosi that day too. And she's, oh she looked sharp too, but AOC, so her legs, so she, I think she's beautiful, but her legs were so skinny. Like her legs were almost as skinny as her arms. And I was like, wow, I, I actually felt bad for her. Cause I was like, she's lost a lot of weight from the pictures I had seen when she ran. And I was actually thinking to myself, like, I hope she's okay. And she's not too stressed out because she looked like she had lost a ton of weight. And you know, that, that usually that's from stress. So, yeah. but she had on these orange pants, they were adorable she had cute heels on and I was like girlfriend you go and I would have I would have been a groupie and gone up and said hi but that's we don't do that when you work on the hill you you just pretend like you know and then Pelosi that day was wearing an orange suit as well so I wondered if they coordinated that because Pelosi is always on AOC's shit right um you know she doesn't Pelosi doesn't like the squad and now the squad's expanded but anyway so they were both wearing orange that day Pelosi looked adorable in her orange suit and you know I'm a girl's girl and so I would say that they both carry themselves amazing and Pelosi's actually retiring thank god was she playing with her dentures whenever she whenever you talk to her you know I'm not gonna move them around does she have dentures though I don't know she was playing. She, she was playing them, moving them around, and everything. On one, think I want to say it was during the State of the Union, but I'm not real sure. Was she that, eating ice cream you know, too? You, <laughs> you know how you know how they got to readjust them sometimes. You know, move, as I'm making motions with my mouth, since this is an audio show and people can't see me. But yeah, at one point in time, I, I'm oh. not. I am not a fan of Pelosi. I, I am thankful that she is going away. She has done too much harm to this country. Thank God. That's about the only thing I can say about her. AOC, again, she's cute, but I don't, you've got more experience with people on the Hill than what I do. That's what I know is from the news and from her stupid tweets. And she might be, there might be some good things that she has done. I haven't seen them personally. Um, 
Here's uh, what I like about AOC. I like the fact that she doesn't back down and she makes fun of Matt Gates. I love Matt Gates, but you know, he did get caught up <clears> in that <throat> scandal where they said he was sleeping with an underage girl. And I don't think it was true because I know um Juan that Valdez from his office and I know Scott Davidson that used to work there. And like I know that like it it was like basically they were blackmailing his father and stuff, and it was all unfounded. Um, but right. of course the Democrats created that because he was Trump's boy. But back right. to, back to AOC, I enjoy her tweets because she doesn't let those guys off the hook and she gets under their skin and there's something to be said. And then um, one other point. So let's talk about Pelosi's dentures, but that goes back to healthcare. There's so many people I see around DC and even like my grandparents and stuff like that don't have their teeth, right? But Pelosi right. was able to go get dentures made. Those are expensive. Those are thousands yes, are. of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get dentures. So how is it that she's allowed to have dentures, but you have America walking around with no teeth? Because she's an elected official and people think the elected officials are special. They're not. They're we we put them in office because we're supposed to think that they're able to do the job that we need them to do. They're supposed to represent us. They think they are our boss and they're not. And on top of that, how much money has she made since she's been in office for 40 years on top of the salary that we paid her? I'll just say that. She's kind of like a Feinstein or a Maxine Waters. You know, it's like your time's up. So I, so I was sitting in a meeting when I was working as a lobbyist with, um, Tom Brierton from Franklin Creek Consulting. So he took me on and basically taught me about lobbying for a year. And, you know, I can suck up anything for a year and become good at it because in the military, we get trained really fast. So Thomas Brierton and T and his wife are amazing. But long story short, we were in Paul Cook's office because Paul Cook supported, I I was hired for their Native American veteran portfolio. And Paul Cook supports Native American bills. But what he was saying was this was about a couple of years ago, but he was, he retired. Right. And he, there's somebody else in office now and I can't remember what his name is, but then Paul cooks from California, which is where um, Pelosi's from. And so Paul Cook said, and Paul cook was a Marine. Um, I think like a star major or Colonel, but he was Semper Marine Corps. And you know what he said that day was so profound. He said, so. my time, my time is up. It is time to let the kids have this, like the Dan Crenshaw's the Lindsay Rowans, because we'll talk about me running for office in a second, the Brian Mass, um, the, the Elaine Liras. Um, it is time for me to step down and let like Inhofe and Reed, those guys need to retire because they're blocking bills and they're Republicans. But basically what Paul Cook said, and it was so profound, he said, it is time for me to step down and let somebody else do it. And that, you know, you know, of course, I have so much respect for military, but that's what Pelosi Feinstein, Maxine Waters, and yeah, and and you know, we've talked about this Marcy Captor, who I'm running in her district. Love Marcy Captor, but she's been in office for 40 years. I just turned 40 years old. She's been in since 83. So basically what? Um 38 years, right? But mm-hmm. she's been in office well since my brother was born, but she's been in office since I was born. Yeah. And what have they done? So other than other but, than protect their spot. Okay, here's um because I like to defend everybody. So here's please um, do. I, I'm not I'm not trying to come off as just I'm anti politicians. No, I'm no, not. I know. And the fact They're, that you can talk politics with me, most people can't even like keep up with me. You know, because I'm like oh, yeah. I'm like ADHD and crack when it comes to politics. Yeah. So basically, I believe I'm all I'm all about people running for politics as long as they're in, as long as their mind is right. And so, what? Hang, hang on a minute. I'm sorry. I'm gonna cut you off. 
I'm all about them. I'm all about them running for politics and everything as long as their mind's right. But it's the American people's job. It's their constituent. It's their constituents' job to keep their feet on fire, basically, keep them in check. You know, and just like whenever your campaign is successful, I'm going to do my best to keep you in check. And but- I, I would expect nothing but that from you because, so back to, real quick, back to Marcy Captor. So if you right. look at Marcy Captor's voting record, she actually has voted for all, so she sits, she sits on the Veteran Affairs Committee, right? Marcy Captor does. But so she's helped with so many bills for veterans. Her voting record is great. There's a reason why she's been in office for 40 years because her, she, she just stays low profile. She does her job. She comes. So she was actually friends with my grandma and my mom says this isn't true, but I know. So when I used to stay with my grandma, when I was little, um, I would always try to push my own, um, my own um, agenda stroller, no, my own stroller. Yeah. So I would be out there pushing my own stroller with my grandma. And our little dog, Daisy, my first word was Daisy, by the way, because Daisy used to try to take my booties off. <laughs> um, but my grandmother would walk me around Grady's Moreland, which is a neighborhood in Oregon, Ohio, right outside Toledo. And Marcy Captor has a house there. And I actually looked it up because so my mother, my grandmother would talk about Marcy Captor because my grandmother died in about 2014. And so, but my grandma would be like, that's Marcy Captor. She's a Congresswoman. And that would make sense because I would have been about four or five and she would have been in office. And, and then I actually looked up the house, the deed on the house, and it's still owned by Marcy Captor. So Marcy Captor never got married. Her brother lives with her. Cause I think he may have some handicaps. I'm not sure, but you know, but so she never got married. Um, and so she, her, she still takes care of her brother. And then she has a house in Columbus as well, I believe, or, or somewhere else. But long story short is that Marcy Captor is a great woman. And this isn't even about her because sometimes I think I'm more of a Democrat because I don't believe in the death penalty. I cannot believe that Trump killed on death row, like four or five people right before he got out of office. One of them was a woman. They were probably all mental health issues that were beaten and abused as kids and then did horrible crimes, but we should be rehabilitating them. So that, that and the Kurds, he didn't help. Those are my two beasts with Trump. But point being is that Marcy Captor has a great voting record. So a lot of times people won't show up to vote because they pick the, their votes based off their priority of when their committee meet, committee hearings are. Marcy Captor shows up to vote like she's got an 80% or 100% rating, which is really good because a lot of them have like 60 or 70. You know who I don't like is um who's who's the Cheney. So Cheney is also on armed service. And my boss, Thomas Bryson was like, why don't you like Cheney? She's a Republican. I don't like Cheney because Cheney never had time to show up for the armed service committee and for her vote. And she was the only woman on the Republican side. So on the Democratic side, you had like Elaine Lira, you had a bunch of amazing women veterans that were Democrats, but Cheney, whatever, I think she was on budget or whatever she was on at the time was more important and her showing up and voting for the Armed Services Committee, because you had Matt Gates, you had um, Matt Gallagher, I think it's Mike Gallagher, he's a Marine, Sempify, but they would always show up, and Cheney could not bring herself to even come for the NDAA, she, she would show up at the last minute, not vote, so I've never looked at it, but if you look at Cheney's 
um, voting record, I guarantee it doesn't even hold a card to Marcy Captors because whatever committee she was on was more important than the armed service. And you know, for me, I picked, I picked Trent Kelly and he picked me because I was a veteran. And of course I wanted to be on the armed services. I wanted a, a congressman on the armed service and he would always let me go to the veteran affairs, um, committee hearings too. But like, so, you know, that is priority for me, active duty military. Cause I just came off, like at the time it had only been like three years and she couldn't even have the time to show up to vote for us. And that really, so I hope that she does not win her election again. And then the January 6th thing that we don't even need to get into, but I am not, I'm not for Cheney. My mother's, my parents are not for Cheney. Cheney needs to go. Did she not? have time to show up or did she exactly you tell or did me. she get paid to not show up to not vote for it because she didn't have the guts to vote no. the way she felt like she no did. because the republicans i think at that time actually were ahead in the no the democrats were but the votes were always like you know we all the votes were pretty close back and forth because i think they only had one more person than we did or something but no i don't think it was that i think whatever committee she was on she was actually the chairman of that committee so she had to be there to run their hearings but she could have sent in somebody else to vote for her she could have sent in a staffer she could have asked them to hold votes until she was available she could have coordinated her schedule there's a lot of things that she couldn't do. And I know you don't always know the whole story about people, but I right. know enough about Cheney to know that she didn't care enough to show up to vote a lot of times. And that's what I do know. And that's infuriating. And I'm going to get off my soapbox now. Why wow, you're doing such a good job. No, but do you hear me? I know you hear me, but Hey, I do want to change the subject a little bit because I know that you do a lot of work that has to do with like gas prices and stuff. And so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit on the economy and sort of like gas prices, because that's like one of the things that you know a lot about. I definitely know a lot about gas prices because I have to pay at the pump just like everybody else does. But the fact that since Biden has got in that the price for gas and everything has went up almost at least a dollar and a half in some places two dollars a gallon really yeah it's over three dollars a gallon down here i don't drive on purpose because i like the metro and amtrak so that that is interesting i did not know that yeah it's over three dollars a gallon down here and you know gas and diesel fuel and everything and my knowledge basically comes from my dad he was an owner operator as far as a truck driver goes I still work. I'm working in trucking now. I'm a lead driver for a company, but, um, the fact gas prices are, and fuel prices have always been seasonal, just like everything else in this world on during your high travel. And if you, after I say this, if you pay attention, you'll see that I'm telling the truth during your holiday seasons, you know, whenever people drive a lot, especially during the summertime, spring break, summer, 4th of July, Labor Day, uh, and then it'll, you'll see gas prices shoot up. But after those holidays, you'll see it start to ease down just a little bit. But then Halloween rolls back around. It'll go back up a little bit. Thanksgiving, which is one of your biggest travel days in the year, for whatever reason, people travel more for thanksgiving than they do christmas gas prices and fuel prices and everything will shoot right back up and then they'll kind of hover a little bit sometimes go up for more for christmas and then it'll drop and then it'll start to cycle back over again it's always been seasonal but the fact that since obama's been in office it has shot up like it has why 
because he's been doing all of these crazy deals as far as shutting down pipelines and everything like that. That was one thing that I did appreciate from Trump. He was all about building up, building everything up. We had our reserves and everything were sitting at 100%. Granted, part of that was during COVID whenever a lot of people weren't traveling. But at the same time, he took advantage of that and stocked up our reserves. Whenever we had simple economics, whenever the supply is, is high, the demand is low. When the demand is low, your prices drop. You know what I'm saying? Well, let me ask you a couple of questions here, because this is not my area of, and I always like to talk about things I know, but and ask questions about things <clears> I know. <throat> so number one, why do you think that, well, okay. Do you think that because of the gas prices being so high, do you think that affected Christmas travel? And, and I'm saying take COVID out of the picture, but what are your thoughts on that? The people who are going to travel are going to travel. They're going to figure out a way to do it. My opinion. It's like me. I drive 45 miles to work every day. Uh, I'll say that again. I drive 45 miles to work every day one way. That's why? Because I have to. Well, I don't, you know what I'm saying? That's where my job is. Could I move up there closer? Yes. But that also means that while that bill will go down as far as gas prices goes, that apartment rent, that house payment is going to make my bills go up even higher. That's why I travel 45 miles. I have to go to work. People have to go to work. So, you know, going back to the whole Christmas thing, yeah, people are going to go and see their families. People are going to spend time around them this that and the other. And with the way family structure is right now, most of the time you've got sometimes three and four different Christmas events that you've got to go to. So yeah, it's tough. My December was really tough as far as that goes uh, the last two years, because I happen to be dating a woman that loves family. Shout out to you, Stacy, if you happen to be listening to this. Hi, Stacy. <laughs> but uh you know she has a bunch of different family get-togethers and family events and everything like that for christmas throughout the year or as far or as far as throughout the month of december excuse me and at one point i think she had three or possibly four just in december i had one i had two different ones with my family so figure that up you know plus the you know the cost of santa i mean we we hadn't even got we hadn't even gone there yet are you saying that santa's not real whoa i'm not saying santa's not real i'm not saying that i was just gonna go with just think about him having to pay for all of that corn and everything else to keep those reindeer moving i wonder i wonder if he took aoc's advice and and fixed (laughs) the uh fix the reindeer so where whenever they fart and everything it didn't pollute the air isn't that one of those things that she mentioned and i wonder if he's got a warranty on that sleigh so that he can get it fixed you know he's got to because let's think about how how old is that sleigh (laughs) how often does he upgrade it i mean it's got to be ancient right yeah i wonder what i wonder if he's got any kind of gauges or anything on there did he happen to did he happen to put any solar panels or maybe the little elves came up with some lunar panels 
so that they can draw off the moon and everything since he and does run he at night. tax credit for those solar panels that's that's the real question i don't know he might have because mm-hmm. you know santa's pretty smart i mean he's got to be older than the egyptian pyramids right i mean the idea of like a kris kringle or the, the idea of something to celebrate at christmas time has to be like as old as is as ancient society right i think whenever moses was on top of the mountain getting the ten commandments from god i think santa went by in a sleigh because it was around christmas time no absolutely and it was probably a ufo but you know whatever <laughs> how not to change the subject or try and okay. take over this show whatsoever but Please how was your the subject i love subject changes <laughs> how was your christmas um so i didn't go home because i was concerned about my parents with covid so mayor bowser did call another um, state of emergency and this is only the second time and i love mayor bowser i think uh, the ticket should be Mayor Bowser for President Trump for VP. Um, we can talk about that later. I think that should be the Trump ticket for 2022 because you know Trump wants a female president. So it's either Nikki Haley or um, I'm trying to think of another woman that I like, but I actually like really like Nikki Haley. Um, but point being is that Mayor Bowser just did not create, um, she has not called a state of emergency. The only thing she did do is she closed all restaurants down when Trump had the rally. So she didn't close restaurants the entire time, but she closed them that weekend that the Trump had their rally. But the Trumpers, they just ate in their hotels because the hotels had to feed them. But the restaurants in D.C. that weren't connected to hotels had to be closed that weekend. And so Mayor Bowser, you know, the Black Lives Matters in front of the White House, like I definitely think Trump and her plan that together um, because people love, and I don't know if it's still there or not. I think they painted over it. I'm not sure, but to see the Black Lives Matters in front of the White House is is iconic. It's monumental. I know people that have gone there and cried. They loved it. I think Black America needed a boost, and I think that Trump and Mayor Bowser planned it together. I think their offices did because remember they would go paint it over at nighttime or something, but then they would paint it back again. And they went through this like little war with each other, but it was adorable. And people got, I even went to go see it, like loved the black lives matters in front of the white house. I thought it was like, again, I'm a woman's woman, love mayor Bowser. Um, But point being to answer your question, I did not go home because again, there's this whole hype about COVID and I don't want to get my parents sick because they are in their seventies And, you know, my dad had a stroke a few years ago, his immune system's not always that great. And I just didn't want to bring home whatever it is that I could have, like, because I would have taken Amtrak. That's a 15 hour overnight trip from Union Station, D.C. to Toledo, Ohio. And I love that route. But, you know, so that would have been me on the Amtrak. Plus, I do go out here because the restaurants have been open. I do see people. I always wear my mask. I'm not vaccinated. I get tested all the time. I don't have the antibodies in me. I've never had the shot. Um, I always wear my mask and people like you probably saw on Instagram, people are always like, take that mask off, but I wear it all the time. And I wear out of respect for the people that are worried that I didn't get the shot. I wear it when I go in an Uber because that driver's got to be around tons of people all the time. And because he's not fortunate enough to have a job where he can sit at home like me, you know, because I have disability money coming in and I can work pro bono from my house. And, you know, with LR lobbying, but he doesn't have that luxury. So he has to be around people all day long that get in his car um, or restaurants that, you know, and so I don't have that luxury or they don't have that luxury. So I think out of respect, always have my mask on. Um, You know, it's just always around my neck because it needs to be there. 
because I don't want to get anyone else sick. So what about your Christmas and what about, what are your thoughts on the COVID? You're, you're three now. <clears throat> my Christmas was pretty good. Um, my granddad taught me a long time ago, you know, cause I was always like, what do I need to buy you? You've got everything, you know, this, that, and the other. And he told me that he did, I didn't have to buy him anything that all he wanted was a hug and for his family to be together. That oh. had a, that had a profound effect on me. You know, he grew up, he grew up in the depression. So, <clears throat> you know, a lot of, a lot of us need to actually spend time around elderly people that were that are around during the depression and everything like that that way we can possibly change our perspective on things but that's another show for another time since then that's what i've been saying you know people say you know what do you want for christmas what do you i just want a hug that's what i tell them you know they might think that i'm trying to be a smart aleck or anything like that but i truly i don't i don't want anything other than to be around my family my close friends and just to spend that time with them, because once you start losing family members, you realize that the pictures that you have and the memories that you have ended up end up being all that you end up with. I think you're going to cry. <laughs> and that's very and it's very priceless. You can't put a price on that. So, you know, I just enjoy being around the people that I care about on Christmas. And that's what I was going back talking about before. Most people will, most people are going to go and the, with COVID <laughs> Wait, real quick before we get to COVID. So I want to ask you a question. So they always ask this question. If you could have a conversation or sit on a bench with one person that's dead and talk to them, who would you pick? Do they have to be famous? No, they have to, I well, I, well, okay. So I'll go first. I would, I would sit on a bench with my grandmother. Cause I am going to cry. I miss her so much. And she's been dead since like 2014, but she was like the matriarch of our family. And like, I think Christmas has never been the same because we just miss her so much. And then my cousin named her daughter after her, which I was a little bit against because she just died. And my cousin named her Vivian, like, and I thought there should have at least been a couple years leeway time. Um, so then we have Vivian. And it's just like, we just miss her. And Christmas has never been the same since like 2014 or 15. Like we, we miss her so much. If I was able to sit down on a bench and have a conversation with anybody, it would be my dad. My dad was, <laughs> he wore so many different hats with me. Um, he was my father. He was my best friend. He was my closest confidant. He was the person that helped keep me in check whenever my mind and my attitude got a little bit out of hand. He was the guy that threw his shoulder out, out in the front yard, trying to teach me how to throw a curveball and how to, how to hit a curveball and everything like that. Um, he was my Superman. He was my hero. Um, my foot is a six my my shoe size is a 16 wide i've got a big foot but i'll never be able to fill his shoes oh my as God, far so as beautiful as far as you know his I, I got a lot of i got a lot of his traits 
but I I just always feel like I'm still in his shadow, if that makes any sense. Um, my very close second would be my grandfather, um, or grandmother. Both of them were very instrumental in my life. My my dad was a truck driver. He was gone 14, sometimes 16 hours a day. My mother was, my mother worked at uh, IRS for a little while, and then she ended up working for Mind Safety and Health Administration. She was gone, you know, sometimes 10, 12 hours a day because of her commute. So while I was young growing up, especially during the summertime, you know, I was with my grandparents. My my grandparents, you know, did did as much to raise me as my parents did. I learned a lot of life lessons through through grandpa. Um every he was he was kind of a a man's man and he didn't know a lot about one particular thing. Again, going back to what I said earlier, you know, how my podcast is built. He always taught me to learn a little bit about everything. And his stance on that was if you're working for somebody and you need to know everything there is to know about the job or the place that you're working, because that makes you more valuable to the employer. I took that and I have, and I, and I took, you know, a lot of stuff that he taught me, I soaked up like a sponge. I learned this later on in life. My, he worked at what they call Gordon, what used to be Gordon transport. It was an LTL freight company. And, uh, you know, like AAA Cooper, like old dominion, like FedEx freight or whatever, you know, if you had any type of freight, it would go to those docks and it would be unloaded and reloaded and then shipped to wherever it needed to go. Okay. If you don't know what LTL freight is <clears throat> during, during the Reagan, the Reagan administration, the first one, the first term, whenever the recession and everything hit, he ended up losing his job because the company shut down. So literally every single bad thing that ever happened to him afterwards, it was Reagan's fault. <laughs> it could <laughs> it it could come a th- it could come a thunderstorm and it oh, was Reagan's our fault. ancestors, right? God bless yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every everything was Reagan's fault. Everything was Bush's fault. Old no, old man grand, Bush. My grandmother would have been so mad when Rush Limbaugh died. I grew up listening right. to Rush Limbaugh. She would have sat down and cried when Rush yeah. Limbaugh died. Now my my granddad was an old school Democrat. I'm I'm not talking about these, you know, this new version of the Democrat Party. He was he was old school. Um believed big in unions and everything else you know you know how that type was and he would back in the days whenever it was still the still the pull handle you remember those we're old enough to remember those well remember i'm i am a generation x i was born in 81 when when were you same okay we're the same age okay just wanted to check so i don't remember as i throw as i throw up the x yes (laughs) i am not a millennial you will not put that on me Exactly. And I own that. I own that loud and proud. I'm not a snowflake. I'm not a millennial. I work for no. everything I have. Yes. 
I have worked my butt off for what I've got. Now, and granted, I will say this. I probably got had life a little bit easier because I was a woman. I will admit that that probably was true because even like white privilege is real. I do think women get it, get things a little easier, but I also think they get things a lot harder, you know, as far as sexual assault and harassment, but I'll let you finish your story. Cause you know, I'll digress. <laughs> I know, but you know, he, uh, Whenever time it came down to the polls, he was also a uh, member of the Democratic Party locally. He he actually tried to give me his spot before he passed away, and uh, wow. I, I believe it. Yeah, believe it or not, I am a registered Democrat. Just because I registered Democrat, don't mean I vote Democrat. Wait, and, how does that work? Because are you allowed to vote in the Republican primaries if you're registered as a Democrat? In Alabama, you whenever the primary comes around, you have to say or say, are you voting Democrat or are you voting Republican? Right. So because, how do you vote Republican then if you're a registered? Because Republican? I because I tell them I'm voting Republican. Well, why it not? Don't, it don't, just because you're just because you're registered in one party does not mean you got to vote that way. Okay, wait. So I just want to clarify. So so if there is a Republican primary and a Democratic primary, you can vote and you can vote in either one of them or just one. I vote. You have to pick one. You That's have to pick thought. one. As long as you pick one, you can vote. So you vote in the Democratic primary. Or you vote in the Republican primary. I vote in the Republican primary. But how do you do that if you're registered as a Democrat? I walk up and they say Democrat or Republican ticket. I say Republican. That's interesting. That's why we, that's interesting that, that you can do that. I wonder if that's being done reverse to us so that we're Democrats win. Interesting. There's you something to think about. I'm actually thinking about hard about going back to the courthouse and re-registering just for the record. I haven't figured out if I'm going to register straight Republican or independent yet. So if you voted independent, could you vote in either one or if you vote independent, because you can only vote in one primary, right? So, but right. if you if you registered as an independent, could you vote in in either one or both? Well, considering the fact that I can reg- that I can vote in either one of them right now, you know, as a registered Democrat, yeah, I would say so. But the Democratic Party has moved so much further away from what it was whenever I was growing up. Uh, I can speak especially for Alabama, okay. There was a time when Alabama was blue. Um, everything was more centered around the working person and everything like that. In this county that I happen to live in right now, Walker County, whenever I first started um, working for the county back in 08, if you were not a Democrat, you did not hold an office. That's how strong the Democratic Party was in this county alone. Not, I mean, it wasn't the fact that the Republican Party didn't exist, but you might as well have thought it didn't. And then for whatever reason, there was a humongous shift during the Obama administration. And all of the elected officials in Walker County, after they got elected in the Democrat Party, they switched. They switched to Republican. And then after that, it's been since if you're not a Republican now, you don't get in office because the Democratic Party is still alive, but it's in all honesty, it's in shambles around here. The uh, the infrastructure and everything else fell apart. 
there's literally been, especially on the statewide level, there's not that many Democrats holding spots in office and everything on the state level. On the federal level, the fact that I think his name was Doug Moore, uh, the fact that he got in office was just a shock. Well, hello there. Hey, just but, so everybody knows, Terry and I can see each other on our show, but I just showed him my dog. But I wanted to go back to what you were saying, though. But no, that is so interesting and so profound to think about it like that, you know, what, like the things that you just said. Well, to go back to go back to my original thought, you know, was talking about, you know, who would like to talk to. And I was got to talking about voting, voting machines. So we chased that rabbit. Let me get back to this one. Grandpa would literally go in. It didn't matter who was running. He would go in. He would pull the Democratic lever, walk out. Whenever it got to the point where he, um, go ahead. When it got to the point where it was, you know, fill in and everything, you know, do the little circle in like we do now, he would literally vote straight ticket and walk out. It didn't matter who was running for office. I could have been running for office on the Republican side. He would have voted against me. That's how strong of a party connection that he felt. My granddad on the other side, or my father's father on the other side was the same way. But for the Republicans, it didn't matter who was running against. He would always, excuse me. It didn't matter who was on the other side. He would always walk in, pull the Republican lever or fill in the Republican party on the elect on the election ballot and walk out. So when I came around, my dad always taught me to vote for person, not for party. Why? Because the parties have been shut, had been shoved down his throat pretty much his whole life. And that always made a big impact on me too. One thing that I always loved about grandpa after he blamed Reagan for everything. And I started paying a little bit closer attention to things was whenever he would get mad at, about the politics, I used to love to sit there and argue with grandpa about it. I loved arguing with that man. He loved arguing too. And to a, I almost thought that I was so good at arguing that I needed to be a lawyer. But yeah, but he would he get. He probably loved it. He probably loved these conversations with you, right? Because the fact that people talked about politics back then, because it affected like today their food prices, their, yeah. their gas prices. But today we can't even talk about it because we're terrorists if we're a Republican. That's one of the things that has always drove me crazy. You know, nobody wants to talk about anything anymore. We nobody. better be talking about it. If we are not talking about politics right now, my brother, God bless him. But he's one of those people where he stands for everything or, or and which basically stands for nothing. He won't make an opinion about Afghanistan. I'm like, your sister served three years in Iraq, 10 years in the military. And you can't even say that it's messed up how we left Afghanistan. Instead, he's like, that's Trump's fault. And I'm I'm like, Trump had 18 months before he left without a single American death. And he didn't leave because the Taliban were liars. And the fact that my brother can't even say that is so, and his wife works for the State Department in Austria. 
And if that, that could, might be why he can't say anything. No, it probably is, but that's not the point. We're talking about like a Christmas discussion or the fact that he doesn't have an and he was in he was in the Peace Corps, he worked for the EPA in DC for almost 12 years. And the fact that he can't make an opinion on anything infuriates me because again, when you stand for everything, you stand for nothing. Or and that's probably I said that dyslexic, but you get It'll the point. Right. I got the point. But yeah, that's one of the things that fueled my podcast that to start with originally and if you'll listen to my open you'll definitely still hear that because it's still the same opening because that's what i believe the art of conversation the act the art of talking things out discussions whatever it's a dying it's a dying art nobody wants to talk about anything anymore the only thing they want to do is share you know facebook post and this that and the other but as soon as somebody makes a comment that goes negatively against whatever you think what do you do you either block them or whatever they you just accuse them of being a troll or whatever yeah why don't you nobody, have a productive nobody conversation wants to talk with about them. things anymore and you can't you cannot live in a bubble it's I not- talk about Black America all the time and how the solitary confinement issues and the prison system under VP Harris and Biden put Black America in jail. And it also did white people too. But then people are like, you're racist. How am I racist? Because I'm defending your, and they're like, oh, that that's, you know, even even more hypocritical by defending the black community and sticking up for them. Like somehow a white person sticking up for black people is somehow, but I'm, I'm pissed. I'm pissed that they predominantly put black America under those policies in jail and gave them higher sentences that my friend served 30 years. What did you do for, he didn't even kill anybody. What did you do to serve 30 years in jail? And then what about all the, and this is white, black, Hispanic women. What about all the children that didn't get raised with their parents or were single parents or saw their father or mother only behind a jail cell for 30 years and somebody else raised their child? If I, and I, when I get angry about this and passionate, I'm racist. And the Democrats are like, you're racist. You showed your two colors. And then if I say the N word and I don't say it, but I make the point that if you're going to say the N word in rap music and you're the only ones that are allowed to call yourselves that, but then someone else says it and we're racist, why don't you check your music? Because you don't hear us. I mean, Eminem says white cracker, but you don't hear us calling ourselves white cracker and then being like, you can't say white cracker. And I understand that the N word is far more offensive than white cracker, but I'm just using it as an example. It's like calling me a slut, right? As a woman, like how demeaning is that? Why? Because I choose who I want to be with and I'm not married and I can date who I want, but it's like, how, how is because we're having, and if you ever listen to Wesley Hunt, he's running for office, um, giving him a plug. He had a dis, he didn't even have a district before he raised the most money for the Republican party. He's a veteran black man. And he talks about it in his show. And he was on our, my podcast. He talks about how he's not an African-American. He's a black man because in his podcast is from slavery to West point and five generations is like in the hunt. That's his theme. And it's like, he talks about how like, he's a black man. He did not come from Africa, America. Like he probably did, you know, five generations ago, but he doesn't claim that anymore. It's like, I don't claim German as my descent. Like I'll say, you know, I got my DNA test that I'm German, I'm English, I'm Polish, but I don't walk around saying I'm a German American. Yes, I go to the German American festival and the hunky festival, which I didn't even realize was racist either. Or so, I time, time out, time out, time. Whoa, but, whoa, whoa, but whoa, the whoa, point whoa. Is, is that Did like, you no hang on a minute? Did you say honky festival? 
Okay. So we would always go to the hunky festival. So I didn't realize that it's something like a black, um, the black community prostituting or something. It has something to do with like being like somewhere and using prostitutes, the word hunky. Cause someone just explained to me the other day, but I never knew because we always went to the hunky fest. It's always like we went to the Polak festival because we're Polish. Right. Right. I didn't know, realize that Polak it like basically means a drunk Polish person that sucks. Right. But yeah. those were the festivals that we went to because in our community, there's, there was Hungarians, there was Polish people, there was the African-American festival, you know? And so like, I, and so like, until so the woke thing came and I'm, and I'm really glad I understand that because my girlfriend schooled me on mulatto a lot. This was um, when I was going through um, prolonged exposure and an inpatient for my military sexual trauma, but she schooled me and she said, you know, mulatto is when a, a, a white slave owner rapes a black woman. And then basically because that child is lighter skinned, the woman, the, the white woman in the house will treat that woman and the child more horrible because they can see that their husband probably slept with them. Right. And she explained it to me. And I was like, thank you so much for that because I didn't know. I didn't know. And it's not because Lindsay Rowland doesn't care. This woman became one of my best friends and still is, but she took the time to school me. We smoked a cigarette together. She explained it to me for an hour. I did my Google research. It's kind of like the do-rag, but I didn't know the, the background on the do-rag. But it's like she took the time to explain it to me in a setting where we cared about each other. And I never used the word sense. And that was in 2015. But the fact that she took the time and then I will tell my my African-American or black friends, it's not that Karen doesn't care. The true Karen will never say the N word. She has mad respect for the black community. The true Karen will never do that. Now, she may get skittish like the woman in the park with the dog. And that guy was like a lawyer. And he didn't even, she was supposed to be charged. And he was like, no, I just want her to learn that lesson. But the true Karen would never do that, would never say the N word, would never do that. And it's like, because I had one quick story. I had a girlfriend who she had a bulldog, right? And I have a bulldog now that someone just gave me. But so this old, she was just telling me about this. So this old white woman came up to her and was basically saying to her, you shouldn't pull the dog by their neck. And even in California, you can't even pull a dog by their neck anymore. You have to have the the body leash or you can, you can get um, a ticket for it. So she was explaining this to my friend and my friend cussed her out. And I said, did you hear her out? Because she was probably telling you, knowing Karen was probably telling you that she has a harness at her house that, you know, that you can put on the dog and she would bring it out to you. And instead, but so if you know anything about bulldogs, they actually are better off to be pulled by the neck because they're so strong, but you can also do damage to their eyes with the bloodshotness. So, but, but if you train bulldogs, you know, that like you can't, you have to use the collar around their neck because um, they break out of the body leash, but my dog's been on a body leash um, for like the last two weeks and she's been fine. But point being, I told my friend, um, Brianna, I was like, did you listen to what Karen had to say? Because I bet she was just telling you that she had one at home from a dog that died that she wanted to donate to you. I I would imagine that's, and then she was like, yeah, that's what she kind of said. She was talking to me. And I said, you know, if you just would have, I said, if I told her, I said, if a black woman came up to me and was talking to me about how I should do Hershey's leash, I would listen to her because why not? Number one there, you're elderly. So it wasn't, you know, it was about just like, because Bree's been told for years that gentrification in DC is about white people. You know what? I mean, I'm not gentrifying you. I worked my money's for my disability pay in the military. I'm not here because I had a silver spoon in my mouth, but I mean, white privilege is real. 
But my point is, is that Brianna could have listened to her to see what that woman had to say instead of telling her to F off. There, what I was saying as far as conversation is dead. Nobody wants to talk about things anymore. And, you know, what you just talked about, you had, you didn't know about this, that, and the other. I agree. And on a lot of stuff that you just mentioned, a lot of people, what is it? This is just an observation and it might make me come across like I'm being very cold hearted and I don't give a crap, but you know me better. You know, I do. Absolutely. Why are people so thin-skinned these days? It's because they listen to one CNN or they listen to Fox. And again, like I'll do Fox. I'll do, um, and it's not that I can't think what the other ones are. I'll do, I don't really, CNN's okay. I actually like MSNBC because their stories are better than I think Fox and CNN. But if they, I think it's because they don't listen to an alternative view and we've become so stuck to our phones and our friends are all the same political party and we're all the same color or we're all women. Or I think it, I think it has to do with the polarization of the cell phone where we don't talk to each other now. We just text and so much can get lost over text. Like uh-huh. I almost don't even like to text my mom because I want to have a conversation with my mother. I want to hear my mother's voice. Because it goes back to what we were saying about my grandmother. The day my mother dies, I'm going to miss her so much. And I had to think about not going home for Christmas because what if this is her last Christmas? I love my mother so much. Of course, I love my mother just as much as my grandmother, right? But it goes back to, I think it goes back to the cell phone thing. And we just don't have conversations with each other anymore. We live in a bubble. That's what I was talking about earlier. We live in a bubble. And we are not going to learn anything outside of that bubble until we break that bubble. Um, I have, um, I have a lot of acquaintances. I don't have that many friends. Now my acquaintances are all every and any kind of race, creed or color that you can think of. Everybody has a different mindset about everything. And that's what I like. I like diversity. I like diversity. I like being able to walk in with my perspective on things and talk to you about your perspective of things. A lot of stuff that we've talked about today, I'll be honest with you. There are several things that we've talked about, and you know this, that me and you don't see eye to eye about. But that's the beauty but Honestly, that's the beauty I don't of even it. know which, which are those things because we've had such a constructive conversation. Like right. I can't even tell what those things are that you're talking about that we don't, but that's, but that's the beauty of it. I respect you as a person. Heard me I out. respect you respect me as a person. You can, and that's the beauty of this country. You can think whatever you want to, you fought for this. You have friends that died for this. You can think whatever you want to, you can have your opinion about whatever you want to. But you need to have respect for other people's opinion and their freedom of choice as well. I believe the freedom of choice ought to be in the Bill of Rights, just like medic, just like medical, just like our right to bear arms, just like our freedom of speech. We need to talk to people more. We need to understand what people's perspectives are because that's the only way we're going to learn. That and there again, that was the premise of my podcast originally, whenever I first started it. It was about me being a country boy, southern southern white male conservative. 
I had another friend that was a a, a liberal Democrat. I mean, let's be honest. You're had, considered the most racist of us all, the Southern white man. Like if we want to do stereotypes, yeah. right? Because you're in the South. Obviously yeah. the North didn't want slavery. So you are probably the most racist man. White person is a Southern white man. Like look at those guys that shot that black kid in Georgia. So I think that you get the worst stereotype being a white Southern man than any other part of the country. That's just my opinion. I I am public enemy number one, if we want to go by stereotype. Absolutely. I totally agree with you on that. Um, everything everything these days is garnered against against a, a white man like myself. Let's, let's just call it like it is. And the only reason I get a buy is because I'm a woman, right? But I'm right in line behind you because yeah. I'm a white woman. But yet, you don't see any of the people that are against uh, against white men or anything talking to them and understanding their sides of it just like you don't see a lot of people in as a white male you don't see a lot of white males going and talking to a black man and trying to find out his perspective on things either that's our problem you are the Nobody, nicest person i know and i'm probably one of the nicest people i know too until i want to cut your throat but like I'm saying that you would do anything for somebody. I, I know you would, Terry. Yeah. If you saw an African-American man or a black man broken down on the side of the highway, you would help them in a second, regardless of race, regardless of color. Like you are really mm-hmm. one of the kindest people. Adam Bird is also probably one of the kindest uh, people I know. But I've been told that the, the biggest thing about me is my heart. Yes. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I was, I guess I was raised differently than a lot of people was. But at the same time, you're going to, you'll see this a lot with everybody right to me. And it, maybe it's just, as you said, my white privilege. I don't see it that way. Well, so I really I don't. don't. I, hang, oh. hang on now. Okay. Okay. I don't, I don't see it that way. I don't look at people by their skin. I look at their, I judge people based off of their character. I could care less what color they are. I don't care what ethnicity they are. Oh, I'm an Asian. That's great. I'm a black. That's great. Who are you? Who are you on the inside? That's who I'm. That's who I want to get to know. That's who I'm going to say you're my friend. I don't look at the outside stuff, and that thank God that that was how I was raised. But I, I know some people this. weren't raised that way. I will say this though: I think the media did that. I think the media did. done that to us. They did, and there again, it goes back to what I said earlier. They're going to get this group against this group. And as long as this group or this group or that group, everybody's fighting amongst themselves. We're not paying attention to what they're doing. And And I have said this from word go since I've had a microphone in front of me, because I believe this wholeheartedly. The one big problem that they are trying to avoid in this country, in Washington, is white, black, Mexican, Asian, Indian whoever, all of us coming together as one agreeing. And if you pay, if everybody would actually sit down and talk to one another, a lot of us agree on the big things. And me and you've talked about this before. We want the best education possible for our kids. We want to be able to make a decent living so we can provide for our kids and our family. We want to be able to have the best health care available so we can take care of our people. That's what we want to do. We Human want to right. be able to take care of our people and to be able to have somewhat of a, of a success in this world, monetarily, house, property, everything like that. We all want the American dream or we wouldn't still be here. 
that's what we're looking for. We're looking for our version of the American dream. We can all agree on those big things. The small things, we can agree to disagree. Me and you on a lot of things, we can agree to disagree. But it's, excuse me, but at the same time, we love and respect one another to be able to sit here and have hard conversations that a lot of people won't. And until the day comes, whenever people in this country will put the small stuff aside, agree on the big things, and be able to stand up to politicians in this country, this country is going to continue to go to hell in a handbasket like it's doing right now. Okay, I need to cut you off because I want to wrap it up. I want to do final thoughts. I just want to say a couple of things. Um, These are Lindsey Rowan's observations. If you notice, the Hispanic community has not come out as angry about white privilege, right? And I think that's because a lot of them come here illegally. The dreamers are some of the for everyone knows the dreamers came here illegally, then turned themselves in, said they were illegal, then got all these small business loans are some of the most um, powerful people right now in our country that are doing well. But if you notice the Hispanic community, they'll come here, they'll work hard. They all live together in a family unit. You know, they're mostly Catholic. And again, I'm stereotyping, but you notice that they did not join the Black Lives Matters movement. They did not have a Hispanic movement against white privilege. And I think that's a cultural thing because because Democrats have predominantly made, it goes back to being snowflakes. It goes back to being not a millennial or a millennial is that the the ability to feel like some you are owed something. And when that is perpetuated as a woman who's not getting paid the same amount, as a black person that's on welfare, as a white person that's on welfare, white trash, when you perpetuate a stereotype that you are a victim, and Dan Crenshaw does a great job talking about this in his book, when you perpetuate the victimhoodness, I could be a victim, I could be a sexual assault survivor, I could be um, a combat um, action badge, like depressed veteran. And I have been all those things, but you have to think in your mind about, are you going to be a victim today? Or are you going to be a success story? And that is a mentality in your brain. So I'm going to let you do a final thoughts because I, we can do a second one on this um, because, but can we do final thoughts? Just to add what you just said, um, we, in this world, sometimes we get dealt a great hand. Sometimes we don't get dealt a great hand. Either way, we still have to play the cards that were dealt to us. We can't let circumstances or things that may or may not have happened to us dictate the rest of our lives. We have to keep moving forward. That's all I'll say on that. And one more, one more about my mother. My mother was the first woman that went to college in her family. She is mm-hmm. the first woman that got her master's degree. I think my, my aunt did got her nursing degree around the same time, but they were the first, my grandmother was a bus school driver. My grandfather was a farmer. My great grandfather was a farmer. They didn't go to the military because they were given passes to stay and, and do the crop thing. Right. You know, that's why they didn't go to the military. My great grandfather, no, my grandfather is 91. He still feels bad today because he didn't go to the military. And he tells me it's because they needed to stay and grow crops because they needed the food for that movement for World War II and for, you know, because my great grandfather lived to be 101. When my mother was the first woman to go to college, and I know that you'll hear a lot of other people say, yes, this, I see this Hispanic woman outside. She cleans outside. She brings her daughter in with her. When, um, when she's not at school, her daughter goes to a charter school. She's probably her daughter. And they're only one generation behind me. Her daughter's probably like about 15. She goes to a charter school. 
she, I, you know, she's going to get, we already talked about, are you going to be a scientist or a doctor? Cause I talk to them all the time. She's, they're only one generation away from me. And probably because somebody came over illegally or came over legally. Well, but point being is that she brings her daughter and shows hard work. And the fact that she sees her mother work so hard for what she has. Can you imagine what her daughter's going to have? I'm just saying we're all one generation away from being successful. If that's the mindset that we want to have. I agree wholeheartedly. You know, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you having me on. It's always a privilege to talk to you. You know, I can talk to you all day. You know, I love you. Sorry about my big, I just, you're one of, you're one of my biggest supporters (laughs) on my show. And I very much appreciate that. You know, you've got a spot on my porch anytime you want to be here. You too. Um, folks, if you're interested in hearing anything else on what I have to say, please check out Porch Matters podcast. Um, the original episodes and the original format of my show has changed uh, due to, you know, co-host ended up leaving um, for jobs and other other reasons, uh, personal reasons. But to start with, I had three different people on it was me and two others we and we all came out with different perspectives of things and we would literally sit down and have conversations like me and Lindsay just had um whenever the one co-host ended up taking another job on another shift and wasn't able to record anymore we rocked on a little bit doing basically the same format and then whenever my other co-host he just kind of sent me a message out of the blue and said, Hey, I'm done. That didn't really give no rhyme or reason. He had a lot of personal stuff going on at the time, but after that, it, my format changed, but it's still basically the same premise. I find people that are interesting and I ask them to come onto the show much like Lindsay does. And, you know, I I've had some really good conversations with a bunch of different people. A lot of people have a story to tell. Everybody does. Lindsay's got an incredible story. If you are just now starting to listen to this show, you really need to go back and listen to her previous episodes because she's got one heck of a story that she that she can tell and is still in the process of telling. Everybody has a story, no matter what. And you're not going to be able to learn unless you sit and, and listen to people's story. Your perspective on things can change by listening to other people's opinion and other people's perspectives on things, because we don't always see eye to eye and conversation. As I said, a while ago is almost a lost art. Nobody really wants to do it anymore. And until we start having conversations with people, until we start listening to other people, this world's not going to change. It's going to continue to get worse. So even if you don't listen to my show, Go out and find, go out and find somebody new, go at Walmart or Target or at the park feeding the birds or whatever. Just go up and strike up a conversation and just start talking to people. You'd be surprised as to what you can learn just by having a conversation with somebody. And that's one thing that I just really want to stress, Lindsay, is that we, we have to figure out some way to coexist. We have to figure out some way of having respect for people. Maybe that was my upbringing. Maybe that was the fact that I spent 10 years in a county jail as a corrections officer, because you learn how, you learn how to grow thick skin whenever you're there. You can get caught. 
I can tell I could sit here and tell you all the stuff that I've been called over the years. After a little while, whenever they start calling this, that, and the other, I look at them and go, accurate. You know, why? You you accused me of fat shaming a while ago. I don't know what fat shaming is, but I call a spade a spade as the old as the old converse, as the old phrase used to say. I call it like it is. That's me. That's my personality. That's how I was raised. I honor my dad and my granddad by doing that way. So yeah, I'm fat is what it is. I still make it look good though. It's all good, but it's called body shaming. That's what it's called. But one other thing I wanted to add too, is it kind of goes back to what you said. So we were not allowed to cry in the military, even though I cry when I lost soldiers and I cried when Lieutenant Colonel Clark died, you know, we were never allowed to cry in public. So now I cry all the time. I tell Terry Caserta, Brandon's mom, I say, let's just sit here and cry because you have to cry. You have to show those emotions. And it kind of goes back to the Christmas thing. Like, did you look around your neighborhood and see who didn't have anywhere to spend for Christmas? There could be somebody right next door that spent Christmas alone. Maybe you should invite them over, especially if you live in the city area. Okay. I'm going to wrap this up, but, um, back to the point again, we do, there's so many commonalities that we have. We all have to see, we all have to eat. We all have to hear. I mean, the conversations I can have with old people about their hearing aids, because I have hearing aids. I can talk to you about hearing aids all day long, but that's because I didn't know how to use them. And they taught me. And now when I see an old guy fumbling, my dad's one of them. I see an old man fumbling with his hearing aid. I'm like, Hey, what's wrong? Do you need your battery changed? Cause you know, they can't see as well. And then is their battery in wrong? And I can actually work somebody through that because I know a lot about hearing aids at 40 years old. Okay, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you, Terry. Make sure you check out Terry. Make sure you check out Adam Bird. He's got his HMG whiskey out now. Adam Bird is another one of the kindest people I've ever known. Heroes Media Group. We have a blog on there. Also, Terry, if you ever want to write a blog, Adam will put up your, put up, you know, the, so on Heroes Media Group, if you look at the top, there's blogs. I wrote one about Detroit, um, um, a, the Detroit election for mayor. It's a police chief that's running against Whitmer. I wrote one about the Brandon Act. There's a bunch on there written by other podcasts. So make sure you check out those blogs. If anybody wants to submit a blog, bring, you know, reach out to me, um, podcast, carry on at gmail.com or um, I think it's Adam or no, Adam Bird at heroesmediagroup.com um, and just check out heroesmediagroup.com uh, their website because you'll see there's he has over 40 or 50 podcasts that come and go like intermittently on Friday there's a weekly wrap up around 10 o'clock check it out share it it's Heroes Media Group on Facebook Adam Bird um, and we hope you guys all had a great Christmas and we will catch you for our next episode thank you for joining Carry On Podcast and Porch Matters Thank you. Thank you.